Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. I'm coming in. Hey, this is Chicago Hill, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hello and welcome to the Know Your Personnel Podcast. We are on all major podcast apps. You can also find us on MTMV Sports Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to both stations that you never miss an episode. Please remember to leave us a five-star rating. Download and share this episode with a friend so we can continue to grow the game. I'm very excited for our next guest. Let's jump in. All right, welcome back to the KYP Podcast. I'm very excited uh, to have... Uh, head coach, uh, Zuza Pacific, Coach Peter Bond. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, coach Bond just finished his first year as the head coach at Azusa Pacific. Uh, he spent the majority of his career there, and we're going to get into everything here. But uh, being a high school coach myself, I love to start at the beginning with high schools. Um, coach, can you tell us, you were, a, you were a pretty darn good player in high school, uh, down here in Orange County. Can you talk to us about your high school playing career, who you played for, uh, and how you kind of fell in love with the game? Yeah, so I played at El Dorado High School in, in Placentia. Um, played for uh, Ryan Mount, who's still the still the head coach there. Um, and, you know, that, that for me, that time for me, um, I know a, a lot of coaches aspire to wanting to have long-term impacts on their players. And, and he definitely did that for me. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. I, I would say, I mean, without a doubt, my love for the game came way before high school. Um, uh, so, so I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say I fell in love with it in high school. I, I grew up, I was a, you know, the little, little kid basketball junkie consuming everything I could from, you know, five years old, but um, you know, my time in high school was special and there, there's a lot of things that, that I still pull from, um, during my time there. I mean, for those of you that know coach Mounts, like he, he's a, he's a hard nose, you know, no, that no excuses type of a type of a, you know, coach defensive minded. Um, you know, so I, I learned just kind of flat out toughness from him. Um, I learned, um, I learned, a. a strong level of trust, um, you know, because, you know, in the, in the eyes of a high schooler, he, he was hard. He was hard on us. Like practices were hard. We practiced in the summer at 6 a.m., um, you know, and, and I, I had to learn just to, to trust what he had in mind, to trust his process, um, and trust that it was going to, that, that it was for my best, um, you know, and, and one of the other things I learned, and I still talk to my team about this, but I, but I learned about, I learned how to become good at the things that weren't necessarily my favorite thing to do. Um, I think that's a, that's a big skill in life. You know, even people look at college coaches and think like, oh, that would be the best thing in the world. There, there's a lot of things of, of our jobs that, that it's not my favorite thing to do, but I need to be good at it. I, I, and so learning that skill of being good at the, everybody can be good at the things they want to do and love to do, but it's learning to be good at the things that, that aren't necessarily their first choice that I think really separates people. I like that. I mean, that, that is definitely something that people, especially young people need to learn is that not everything in life is fun. Um, even your dream job has a parts to it that are not fun. And um, learning to love that and embrace that and see the challenge in that, I think definitely will help you get through it because, because it's absolutely true. I mean, these kids want everything to be fun and entertaining and, and for their benefit. And that just is not real life on any level. Um, so uh, coach Mounts talked to uh, he, he, the first thing you said is he had a long-term impact on you and he, and his relationship building. With you. Um, how does that work still? Did you, do you, how did he keep a, a relationship with you guys? How did he build that relationship with you guys in high school? You know, I, a lot of it has to do, and this isn't, I'll, I'll tell you a little story, but a lot of it, again, has to do with each individual person's outlook on things. Um, 
you know, they, there's a lot of players, teammates of mine, people I know that have played for him that didn't get along with him and didn't have a good experience. And, and I think a, a lot of it had to do with, again, our, our individual lookout outlook on things. Um, I remember coming home from high in high school one day and, you know, in my high school and from my high schoolers perspective, like we had an unnecessarily hard practice. We did all these things that I didn't agree with. We did, you know, I, I thought we were doing things wrong, blah, blah, blah. You know, like probably a lot of high schoolers, I, I went home to my parents, um, to my dad specifically venting these things, hoping for, you know, Oh yeah, you're right. You know, those things are all wrong. Wanting, wanting some of that. And he, he kind of interrupted me and said, you know, Pete, uh, do, do you think Coach Mounts cares about you? Well, yeah. Do you think Coach Mounts loves you? Well, yeah. Do you think Coach Mounts wants what's best for the team? Yeah. Do you, do you think there's other ways it could be done? Yeah. And I started to go again. He's like, no, 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 let me stop you there. If all of those things are in place, you are in a great spot. And I don't want to really hear it from you. Like, as long as those things are in, in place, I'm happy for you. I think you need to be happy for that because that's not the way it is for everybody. And so that little conversation kind of changed, like flipped a switch in me and like, wow, I have all these things that lots of people would, would, would just love to have. And I have it. So let's, let's get the most out of this. I might disagree with things. I might want to think things should be done differently, but, but at the end of the day, those don't matter as long as those things that, that he, kind of instilled and and my dad proved to me were there as long as those are in place wow well your dad uh gave you a a valuable valuable advice there um i i believe and well i don't believe i know that there are other student athletes who sit in front of uh sit in front of their parents and have that same conversation and those parents say you know what that coach is wrong you're right um, you know, he's, he's trying to hurt you. He's trying to make things hard for you. He's playing favorites. He does this or that, or he or she does this or that. And, and then that student athlete goes a completely different direction to entitlement and blaming others and lot, lack of accountability and lack of respect for leadership and go on and go on. And, uh, your dad really, really, really helped you in that because that, that conversation had such an impact on you. Um, and I, I, I would bet that if he didn't, have that you might not be where you are today um and so that that that's really good to hear um you had you were a terrific player in high school um most known for your shooting uh set three-point records in high school and and was a great really good three-point shooter in college um how did your three-point shot develop is there was it something that just came from repetition do you have a secret that none of us know um what what did you do to end up becoming a really really good shooter Yeah, there's no no secret. Um, I mean, re- really, it just came down to to lots of reps, lots of work. Um, you know, looking back, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, pro- probably spent too much time doing that. Um, you know, where whereas other parts of of my game suffered because I that was something I was comfortable with, I was good at, and so I just kind of went went there. Pro- probably too much, but but a lot of it. I mean, it just came from reps time in the gym um you know my my mom worked on a church staff uh growing up so I had the key to the church gym I when I was when I was young um so so there were you know I had that access there to to get those things and and really it just came from from lots of lots of time spent in the gym well I mean I guess maybe back then you probably would have been better to work on other parts of your game but nowadays the way the game is now I mean if you're a specialist I mean that that's kind of way it's going, you know, I mean, if you can just, just shoot, we'll hide you on defense, put you in on out of bounds plays and ATOs. And, and then, you know, um, that's kind of how it is now with the shooting. So I guess maybe you're a little bit ahead of your time. Uh, and we'll go with that and your focus work ethic. <laughs> that's, we'll call it that from now on. You were ahead yeah. of your time. Uh, so you finished at El Dorado and then you ended up at Azusa Pacific as a player. Uh, can you talk about the recruiting process and how you were able to make the team there? Yeah, I, I had a um, kind of this this church that I I grew up uh, going to. One of the assistant coaches at APU um, at the time was also going to church there. So so I got to spend time with him um, 
when when I was when I was younger, he he was also a very good player, and so kind of one of those guys that I looked up to, and and so a lot of it had to do with that relationship that that stemmed from before I had any idea, even before I even knew about college. Um, it it kind of stemmed from that, and and that relationship, and and part of it, um, me choosing to go there was was that comfort level. Um, and and familiarity with with him and uh and with the school so you you chose it you had a, a friend who was going there and a part of the school and, and that helped you end up make uh attending azusa pacific uh talk about the difference between um being a really good high school player and then walking on or excuse me being a part of the azusa pacific team mm-hmm. uh the I mean, the biggest difference right off the bat was just the level of physicality and athleticism all across the board. Um, more so the physicality. Um, I quickly learned that there's a big difference between an 18-year-old and a 22, 23. I mean, we had a guy on the team at the time that was 25. Like, there's there's a massive difference in terms of in terms of strength and and physicality there. Um, in, in terms of like the structure of things in college as a whole, the basketball class, everything, there's a lot more freedom. You have a lot more time, um, you know, in high school. And I think a lot of high school coaches deal with this, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck in your, you know, you've got your time slot where you've got gym time and that's when your players can use it. That's when you can use it. And outside of that, it's tough. Well, well in college, there's more time. There's, there's less teams using the gym. There's less conflict. So there was more freedom in terms of improving and getting better. We, we had our practice time, but, but there was kind of this, uh, not kind of, there was this unspoken expectation that you needed to get your own work in outside of, outside of practice. And, and with college players, that's part of the reason that we were all there is because we have been used to spending our own time getting better and improving. Um, but in, in, in high school, it was a little bit more like told to you, this is what you're doing in college. It was like this, uh, it was, it was kind of like, you've, you've all done this. So keep, keep it up. Um, it was, it was definitely less forced um, upon you. Well, in, in, in high school, you get the neighborhood kids. I mean, if you do it, you know, the way we do it at El Toro and even the way they do it at El Dorado as well, you get the neighborhood kids and you kind of know who's coming up because those guys are all in your program and, and you and you see the lower level programs and you don't necessarily, if you're good, you know, you, it's easy to get complacent, not really worry about, you know, cause you could project this guy and think I'm better than him. He's never going to play over me. But in college, there's always another scholarship to give and your coaches are actively recruiting players better than you. And they want to get players better than you. And as a player, you should halfway want that to happen because you want to win and you want really good guys. So, you know, there is that motivation when a recruit walks in, I'm sure when they do, when you do this as a coach, when you bring in a recruit and you have them play with the guys or in the gym, those players size them up and they say, shoot, is this guy really good? Is he going to take my minutes? And if so, I better get in the gym and do what I need to do uh, to keep my spot and to keep my, uh, my minutes on the team. So that definitely, that definitely is a difference. Um, You have a great career there. Um, four years there, uh, great career as a player. And then you decide to get into coaching. Um, how did that, how did that come to pass? What made you want to be a coach? Is that something you decided as a player? Is that something that kind of came last minute? Uh, how did you want to become, or how did, how did it work when you came to coach? Yeah, I I knew, um, you know, probably middle of college that that's something I wanted to do. Um, that I, I just, Again, I, I love the game of the basketball. I love being around it. Love watching it. Um, you know, I, like I said earlier, I looked at it as, oh, there, there's no, there's no bad parts to coaching. Like, there's all these people in the stands. You know, you get to compete. Like, you know, so it was a little bit. It was, it was naive, but I think that's normal for players when they get into coaching to not realize how much work it is and, and all those pieces. However, so, so, so part of the the way I got into it was. I was getting ready to graduate. I think it was, I don't know, maybe April of my senior year. And I didn't know how to approach getting into coaching. 
Um, I didn't. So, so I went to uh, the head coach at the time, Justin Leslie, and I basically sat down with him and said, Hey, I want to, I want to get into coaching. What, what are some of the ways to do this? I know there's not one, one path. Um, and he, he basically laid out three options and it was, you know, go, go find a place where you can get your foot in the door in high school. Um, you know, go find a, maybe find a place, uh, junior college, something like that, travel ball, or, you know, he said, to be honest with you, I would, I would love to have you stay on as a coach here. Now that, that was going to be a volunteer position. And, you know, so as a, as a college student, you know, you think, you think that graduating college and having the degree is kind of the golden, golden ticket to making, you know, a lot of money that, again, that's kind of what people kind of the, the false narrative that's out there is that, is that, you know, just graduating, you're going to have a great bunch of great jobs lined up for you. So when I heard volunteer, it was kind of like, Ooh, you know, that like work for work for no money. Um, so I, you know, I uh, started talking to some people I know, older people, more wisdom than me, and and basically, the the common theme was, hey, if you if you have the opportunity, whether it's paid or unpaid, to get your foot in the door in a in a college, a high level college program, you need to do that, even if it's just for a year. Um, that that's too good of an opportunity, and and really kind of too much respect shown for you in terms of having that offer with no coaching experience, anything like that to pass up. And so I kind of took that, that wisdom. Um, I had a little oddsy and envy jobs on the side to, to be able to pay my, I think I was sharing a room for 200 bucks a month or something. But um, so I took that opportunity to, uh, to start coaching from there. Again, you were given uh, very good advice. Um, a lot of people don't realize it's funny that you were a coach, I mean, excuse me, a player there and a, and a player in a high school and never really realized what the coaches do around you and how they work for free and how they volunteer or even the high school coaches, even the ones who got paid, it was, it's really nothing. And, uh, and the coaches that work with you, I can assume that there are several volunteers through your time there and how you just never really understood that as a player until until you were the one who wanted that job um so you start off as a volunteer what are some things that you learned um as a coach that you never realized as a player uh i mean first thing i learned quickly was how much goes into uh preparing uh whether that's preparing for practice whether that's you know scouting reports uh the the film you know, as a player, you sat down and they'd show you, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes of film that to prep for an opponent, you know, some personnel, some some scout team scouting uh, components. But how many hours and hours and hours went into getting that that 10 to 15 minutes? Um, you know, that that was shocking to me. I, I would have had no idea. Practice, same thing. I, you know, kind of looking at it from a player standpoint, like, oh, okay. You know, especially the 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 coach I started playing for at um, Azusa Pacific before he retired. Like he's been doing this for you know thirty years. Like he he's got to just be able to walk into the gym and just you know I've got a bunch of things to pull from and let's practice. But how much prep and planning goes into that and thought process and things that maybe other people don't want to do. Um, but you know, back then I'm gonna date myself, but we did like video exchange um, where you had to contact all the opposing teams and the, the, the opponents of opponents who might have game film and trying to coordinate how to get the DVD in the mail and FedEx numbers. And, you know, do we overnight it? Do we two day ship it because it costs different? Like that whole pieces to the puzzle. Cause other make two clicks of a button to get the game film. Like it had to be, and I started doing that in, I don't know, July or August for the game film that we needed, we might need in January, February. Um, so I remember that being, uh, that being the first like eye opener. Um, there was some, some, you know, aspects of, of recruiting, not, not necessarily, I wasn't getting on the phone with, with uh, players or anything at that point, but, but coordinating travel ball events, trying to find, you know, make sure we're using our time wisely, uh, who's playing where those different pieces um, and then there was the, the, the APU basketball specific things. And that was just getting my, 
getting my feet wet on how to instruct on how to you know as a player you knew how to do things but how how do you teach those what words do you use what different things do you uh how, how do you communicate that that can translate to actually helping the players so off the bat again they weren't you know the film exchange those some some apply now to to life today and some some don't but but again it was it was a great learning experience right off the bat just in terms of how much goes into the the whole picture well i'll even date you before that when i was doing when i was the film exchange guy at cal state fullerton it was all vhs so the fact that you said dvd <laughs> is uh is well ahead what we had to do if you if you were in the vhs days that's a whole different world of uh of of, of tape and film and making film and recording and then sending it over and all types of different fun stuff but uh, I get emails maybe once a week or so, maybe sometimes more, from younger coaches who listen to this and ask me some advice. And it seems like everybody I talk to starts in the film room. Uh, the film the film room, understanding film, breaking down film, analyzing film, is where nearly every young college and pro coach starts. That's for sure. High school may be a little bit different because film sometimes is a, is, a, is a privilege more in high school than maybe it is for college. But starting in the film room that that's where things tend to start for most college coaches. Now talk to me about you were a player there. And then the following year you became a coach. What was it like with the relationships with the guys that you just shared the court with the year before, and now you're running drills and trying to hold them accountable. What was that like? Yeah, that was, that was a challenge. Um, however, I, I had good relationships with the guys in terms of, not just not just as players, but as people. So, you know, I was definitely, I mean, I was not going outside of my box in terms of instructing. I wasn't yelling and screaming at them. I wasn't doing anything that uh, they probably would have seen as like drastically different. I didn't, I didn't try and kind of change who I am because now I'm an authoritative figure. Um, you know, so I, I really wanted to approach it as I'm, I'm here to learn. Um, I'm here to grow and I'm here to help you at the end of the day. That that's what I wanted them to feel from me is just like, I, I want, I want to help you see things you may not see, instruct things you may not see, but, but I'm not, I'm not yelling and screaming and I'm not, cause I knew how quickly if that was the case, that would have turned them off to, to hearing my voice. Um, and so that it wasn't, it, I didn't feel like it was too too terribly challenging uh, flipping that switch. Now, if I had had poor relationships with them, or we had we had butted heads all the time, and now all of a sudden uh, I'm trying to coach them, it probably would have been a different story. But the fact that we had good relationships going into it um, really made it made it pretty smooth. Um, every every coach has their own story of how they get to where they're at. Um, Yours is yours is slightly different or unique from many of the college coaches that I deal with because you've been at one place your entire career. You, you played at FPU. I mean, excuse me, you played at APU. Um, then you started to coach there as a volunteer. Then you became an assistant, and then you eventually became the head coach. Um, what's it? What are some advantages of only being at one place your entire career? I think one of the big advantages is uh, pe people really know you. Uh, one, one of the things that's great about APU, you look across the, whether it's faculty, whether it's other people in the, the APU coaching staff, administrative staff, there's a lot of people that have been there a long time. Um, and, and so it's, it speaks to the overall quality of, of the school, of the work environment, of the place, because uh, it's pretty unique for, for coaches to be there for long periods of time, for administrators to be, especially in the athletics world and in the, the full-time college faculty world, to be there for long periods of time. So it speaks to how, what a great place it is. Um, so, so one of the advantages is I, I know people, like know people well. Um, what, what makes them tick, how they operate, um, and they know me well. Uh, we, there's very, there aren't a ton of surprises in terms of even, even as, as I've changed my coaching position, like I'm, you know, I'm still Peter Bond. I'm still, I'm still that, that same person. And so 
I think, I think, and you see this a lot within professional organizations, um, different places that there, there is the consistency is, is really important. Um, that, and, and that's a big advantage to, to my position now and to other people who, who work alongside me. I definitely can see that as being a big advantage and uh, maybe something that's reassuring to a recruit. I know, um, I know things that recruits like to ask. They, 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 when they come to the school, they come to play for you. And, uh, you know, and, and, and if they know you're going to be there and that's, that's going to be your home and you're invested in there, it, it makes their decision a lot easier versus maybe someone who's at one place for their track record shows that they're in a lot of different places and maybe they're more likely to move uh, to go somewhere else for whatever reason. Um, so let's talk about you being, uh, you being promoted from the interim head coach uh, to the head coach of the program or from assistant coach to the head coach of the program. Um, every year uh, a head coach will leave their program for various reasons. And that lead assistant is always want, I shouldn't say always, but many times wants that job, but they don't always get it. What were you able to do to convince the people in your administration that the best coach for the uh, APU job was actually already in your gym? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, again, I, I think I was able to uh, kind of speak and talk to them about the body of work of the, the people that have come through the program, the, the high academic standards uh, we had set for ourselves, um, the, the, the success we had had. Um, I was able to show my, my hand in that. Um, I was also, um, you know, I didn't ask this of any of the, the guys who were coming back, but I know I've come to learn that there was a number of guys that were on the team that basically went to bat for me kind of behind my back. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to even pretend that it was all me. Um, that there were other people that, again, it wasn't part of some big strategy. I didn't even know they did it until pretty recently. Um, but, but that's, that's helpful when you've got, when you've got people that are other people that are well-respected that are, that are going to bat for you. So, um, you know, I, I, I just think it was, again, back to the consistency piece of things. I made a, made an effort to come to, come to work every day, the years leading up to being the head coach and, and put my best foot forward to, to being the, the best employee I could be, to being as respectful as I could to everybody. Um, you know, I, I had also taught some classes at APU. So, so I had some people on the academic side that knew what I was capable of and, and how, how much, I even had some people tell me that like you kind of bucked the the coach coach who teaches trend um, in terms of like you you really cared in the classroom. Students liked you. They they spoke highly of you versus you know you just kind of had to do it and and so that you could coach basketball. So um, I think there was a lot of pieces to that um, that that played into played into me getting ultimately getting the job. Let's talk about building relationships because. You went from player to coach, and we talked about that transition. Now you're going to go from assistant coach to head coach. And as a volunteer assistant, there really isn't a whole lot of pressure on you. You're just there, and any, anything you add is, is icing on the cake. But now as the head coach, now this is, you know, everyone's looking at you. Every decision is, is yours. Everything that goes bad is, is, is you're responsible for. Everything that goes good is you're responsible for. Um, what was it like now working with the players uh, when you were an assistant now as the head coach? Yeah, that, that, that was, um, you know, something that as last summer, as I talked to, to people and asked questions who, who'd either made that transition or had, had been longtime head coaches, um, especially the people that were closest to me, one kind of consistent theme in terms of advice that kept coming up was, was be who you are. Um, I think there's there's a lot of times with coaches they they you know I had thought about dreamed about being a head coach someday and you kind of have these mental pictures of what it would look like what you'd be like all those different things and and oftentimes it was you being different than you are now um, for for whatever reason however that that kind of works in our in our minds but I kept being told 
be be who you are. Um, and I think part of that came from my my former former boss, who was also my my head coach for a year at APU. Um, he was he was more emotional than me. He he would that's that's who he was. He would he was more emotional than I was. And so I think there was part of it that were people telling me like, don't try and be like him. Be be who you are. And so I really took that to heart. Um, and I think that made the transition quite smooth um, in that the player, just, and, and, I, and I pulled a lot from my experience from becoming a player to becoming a volunteer assistant to the transition from assistant to head coach in that um, I, I wanted them to see that I, I, was, I was still Peter Bond. I was still... I'm still who who you had known me to be. I mean, some guys have been in the program three or four years already, and I was going to become the head coach. Some were coming in for the first time, and and I just wanted to be be consistent with who I was. Treat them like I did before. You you know, use the same tone of voices that I that I used before. Not again. Not trying to to put on this persona of I'm the head coach now, so things are going to be different because because I have a different title. I think that there's just not a lot of genuineness in that. Um, and if, if, if there's anything that college players can, can sniff out, it's, it's a genuine person versus a non-genuine person. And so I wanted to be as genuine as possible as much of who I was um, for them because I knew that that would make the transition easier for me. It would also make the transition easier for them um and ultimately lead to more success for all of us i like i like how when you got the job you reached out to a lot of people to ask their advice and try to find out what what they had done in that situation things they wish they would have done better things that they they did really well and being who you are is definitely you know uh, a, a fundamental in in being a good coach and i would also argue that you you might not know all of who you are until you are the head coach as far as as far as in our world is, because you, when you, when that pressure's on you, you know, I know a lot of people, maybe even myself included, who as an assistant, I said, I would never do that when I'm a head coach. And then sure enough, when I was the head coach, I, I may have done a couple of those things I said I'd never do, but you don't, you don't know it until your feet's to the fire and you're really the one doing it, but that's how you figure out who you are. And, you know, that's how you're able to define your, your, your goals and, and who you are and what you stand for. And there's no better way to do it than the experience. You talked about um, you had great relationships with your high school coaches and your college coaches, and now you're the one who needs to build those. What are some strategies that you have for building relationships with your players, even as from the point from you're recruiting them to when they're playing for you and even after when they're done? Yeah, I, one of the things, again, back to, back to being genuine, um, I, I want to show a – and I do – I want – I want them to genuinely know that I care about them, um, them as people. Um, I, in, the, in the recruiting process, I mean, we, we got some guys this year who, who signed with us because they said, like, I could tell you cared about me more, more than just as a basketball player. You know, we were doing lots of, lots of legwork for them and academically to make sure they, they were, if they transferred, they are able to graduate. If they did their grad program, they could do it in the time they left of eligibility. So, um, you know, asking about, asking about family, asking about girlfriends, asking about all those different pieces, um, just, just showing you care. There's nothing I, I really try to avoid because again, college players know when something's fake or when something's just part of, you know, part of a schedule, I really try and avoid, you know, having, having things be, be super calculated, um, in terms of, you know, uh, how I interact with them. I want it to be natural. I want it to be, I want it to be a real relationship. You know, if, if with my wife, I don't, I don't say, you know, once a day, I'm going to sit down and ask her how her day is going to be. And it's going to be at one o'clock in the afternoon, every single day. And, that she's going to see that just like they're going to see that. If I, if I'm very, like very much uh, scheduled with everything or planned with everything, that's not, that doesn't come across as genuine to them. 
Um, I don't want forced interactions. Um, you know, and so when players know you care about them, um, it just, it just improves the relationships, improves the culture. Um, and, and, and really, again, makes, makes the experience better for everybody. You talked about having a, um, invested interest in their academics. Uh, your institution at, uh, Zusa Pacific is a very high academic institution. Um, uh, what do you do while they're there, uh, to help them with their academics and hold them accountable for what they need to do as a student athlete? Yeah, we, uh, we have a, a guy on our staff um, who, who's our academic, co- who part of his role is, is an academic coordinator, and he's not, um, he's not helping them write papers, he's not editing papers, anything like that. He, he makes a big emphasis, again, on the life skills side of things, um, you know, with, with using a calendar, with planning things out, with mapping out your your semester academically from day one um he he, we have we have everybody when they get done with their first class they get their syllabus make out a calendar for the rest of the semester here's when tests are here's when papers are due and then mixing it with here's you know this is our big game weeks we have three games this week or this is this is when we're going to be busy so staying on top of that um has has proven extremely valuable but it also has helped them later in life um and because a a lot of a lot of being good academically is just being able to to balance everything that's going on in your life um and being able to to do the academic side of things well and you know we have i mean we've we've won i think it's seven years in a row we've been on the uh nabc team academic excellence award winners list, um, you know, and, and, and again, that goes back to also who we recruit uh, um, and the players we recruit. We typically are recruiting uh, students with, with good academic uh, history um, because for me, part of my philosophy with that is not everybody loves every part of school, but back to that learning to be good at the things you don't necessarily love to do if somebody has a strong academic history, that probably shows that ability to to be good at the things they don't necessarily love doing. We discussed how college athletes have to have their own schedule of getting better off the court, well, away from the team setting, away from when the coaches are on the floor. And that also, that also applies to the weight room. Uh, what do you guys do to ensure that your guys are in the best possible physical shape and condition off the court in the weight room with your training? Well, one of the things we're fortunate to have um, is, is a strength and conditioning coach. Now, he, he's a, the strength and conditioning coach for all the teams, um, but he does a, a phenomenal job of um, functional, functional strength training um, in terms of we're not doing the same thing that the football team's doing, that the water polo team's doing. Um, he, it's very much, uh, geared for basketball players. So we, we have things, um, that in the weight room, little things that, that make certain lifts, certain, certain exercises easier for guys who are six, eight and taller. Um, you know, to this kind of idea that we have an acrobatics and tumbling team at our, at our school. So the, the kind of the idea that the form for a five foot, uh, acrobatics and tumbling person and a 6'11 basketball player that those can be the same is that it just doesn't make a lot of sense so he's got a lot of things in place that are geared for our bigger longer athletes um, that's been something that that's been huge and and really has reduced our rate of injury um, has we haven't had many you know soft tissue injuries in the last few years um, and and so it's been it's been really good the other thing he's implemented that I think has been fantastic for the guys is we use a a training app where they can they can they track all their all their progress they put them in as they're lifting um and then they can kind of see the progress they've made everybody likes to see like concrete progress they've made in areas and and so that's that's important um I think for their their motivation just to see that hey this is working I am getting stronger I am getting getting, you know, more flexible, all those different pieces. So um, 
if I'm being totally, uh, totally honest, I don't do a ton with that. Um, I trust him. He's, he's great at what he does. Um, and, and that's something that we're fortunate to have. Uh, in your first year, you, you almost couldn't ask for a better year. You went 25 and four overall, uh, 20 and two in conference. You were primed to make a, uh, a huge uh, run in the playoffs. And unfortunately it was cut short due to COVID. Um, but what you and I know, and I know you'll say this, that it has to do with the players that you have. Uh, you've recruited 12 all-conference players just in your tenure. I can assume that the players that you had this year were at that level or better. What do you look for when you're recruiting guys? And how do you, how do you, how do you pick? Because I know a lot of guys want to play there, and there's a, a huge demand for a school and a team as good as yours. How do you choose between the ones that you want and the ones that you don't? Yeah, we part part of and this may sound a little bit funny, but I, but I think it, it it plays big into into buying and culture right off the bat. Um, we we want players who want to be at APU. Um, we're we're gonna recruit guys. We're gonna we're gonna go after the the best players we can find. But if I or any of our coaches feel like we get we're getting to the point where where guys are, where we're having to beg, where we're having to just push and push and push, and they can't, at the core of who we are, if they can't be convinced that that's, that's good enough for them, um, we, we probably don't want them. Um, we, we, we want guys that, that want to be at APU. Uh, one of the things that, that we've got going that I love um, is I've been at APU for a long time. I've played there. Um, our our assistant coach played there was a very good player for us um is there both of our wives played softball at APU um and and that's part of who, who we are and so so we want people to to get excited about that and be be a part of that so that that's a lot of where it starts um for us we um you know, in, in terms of what we're looking for, there's obviously a, a level of skill, a level of size, a level of athleticism that, that basketball coaches are, are looking for, that they're biased towards. Um, uh, so, so once those things are in place, um, you know, we're, we're looking for, for guys that I, I really, really try and analyze why guys are able to do what they're, what, what they're doing on the court. Um, there's, you know, you can look at a box score a guy scores 30 points and you go and watch the film and he was 6'10 and the, the biggest opponent was 5'11. It's like, okay, well, you know, that that's why he was able to do what he's able to do. But if you watch a guy consistently, how is he able to get those shots off? How is he able to consistently rebound like he is? How is he able to defend? Like why, why is he able to do those things? And does that fit with, with how we play and what we want to do? Um, so, so there's definitely those, those athleticism, skill, size components are pretty easy to get pretty quickly. Um, it's kind of that next level of why are they able to do what they do and how hard do they play? I mean, the things lots of coaches look for, how hard do they play? How do they interact with teammates? How do they interact with their coaches? Um, how, how do they behave when things are going well and also when things aren't going well? Um, those are those are all the the different moving parts um, in the in the recruiting um, equation. Because I'll say one of the things that's getting a little bit more challenging is to get you know you want to talk to coaches that have coached them or not, but but lots of times you're you're they're wanting to help their guys, and so you might not get a get a, a truly honest evaluation because and you can't blame them they're trying to help their players um so there is a lot of that looking and evaluating that you have to do on your own to to uh get the right right group of guys together uh from the beginning of this uh podcast all the way till now your faith has been a big part of your direction in life whether it you know your mom working at the church or uh your friend going to apu and you decide your church friend going to apu you decide to go there how has, uh, and, and you teach it now at a faith-based school, how has your faith influenced the way that you teach and coach um, here as the head coach? Yeah, my, my faith is, is the number one aspect of who I am. Um, you know, I, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and one of, one of the things that, that um, 
makes me treat people how I do is that, um, you know, I, I, I want, I want to be like, like Christ. And, and so there's that, that begins with treating people how I would want to be treated. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to belittle people. I don't want to make them feel or seem less important than I am. I don't want to, I don't want to do things to, to bring others down, to prop myself up. Um, I don't, I also don't want to, you know, use people. We, we get, we get a number, a lot of it comes from, you know, division one transfers. If I'm being totally honest, that, that will say to me, like, if I wasn't performing, I didn't feel like I mattered. Like anybody cared about me, like anybody. And, and that, that's hard for me to hear. And that's the, that's the last thing I want, would want anybody to feel um, after they came through our program is that, you know, my performance um, equated to how I was treated. Um, and so my, my faith plays a lot into that because I'm not, I'm not doing this for, for earthly, um, you know, for, for, for earthly gain, for, for, to, to make myself look good. I, I really want to do it to make an impact on, on players' lives. I want to, because I know that that's going to carry on to their, their future families and to who they are as a, as an employee, as a boss, all those different things. And, and I don't want to take that lightly in, in a, in an effort to, to win another game um, or win an, another series of games. I don't, it's just not, it's just not worth it. Well, that's very well put. Um, what are some things that you do to get better as a coach uh, during this quarantine? We've all, we were talking about this before we recorded, you know, during this quarantine, we've all kind of had a chance to decompress from, from our lives of go, go, go in basketball. But I, I know you, and I know you're trying to get better all the time. What are some things that you do uh, to help you become a better coach? Yeah, one of the things that, um, you know, you kind of over the years, I think everybody's taken these different personalities tests, different things like that. Um, at APU, one of the things that they, they put a, a good amount of emphasis on is a strengths finder test, um, kind of figuring out what your strengths are. And one that I've taken a number of times, one of the things that always has come back um, is that I'm a learner. Um, I, I love learning. I love continuing to, to grow in, in lots of different areas. Um, and, and that definitely applies to basketball. And so, you know, some, some of the things that, that I've used, um, it was actually kind of starting this time last year. You know, one, one of the people I love listening to reading his books um, is John Gordon. Um, I think he, he does a great job of, of helping us from the mental side of things, um, just how we frame things in our mind. I mean, one of, one of the, the slogans um, that, that we use this or kind of phrases we use this year a little bit was, Hey, we get to just, we get to, instead of, you know, dragging your, your feet to class, I go, oh, I got to go to class again. No, I get to go to class. I get to be a college student at a great university. I get to learn uh, instead of, uh, I, I have to go to practice again today. No, I've got potentially, this could be my last couple of years ever playing basketball, ever being part of a team. I get to do this. I, so many people would, would, would give their, give a limb to get to do this. I get to do this every day. Um, so, so John Gordon has been, been really good for me in terms of those mentality things and how we, how we approach. Um, I love learning from other sports. Um, you know, one, one of the things that makes, makes basketball a beautiful game is there, is there isn't one way of doing things. There's lots of different ways to do things. And that's what I love about the game. Um, but I have found for myself, if I, if I consume too much basketball specific things, it, it kind of muddies up my thinking because there are so many great ways of, of doing things. And so I love learning from, from other, other sports. Um, one of the books I read this year that I would recommend to, to coaches is a, is a book, um, called Gridiron Genius, um, about Bill, mostly about Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Walsh, uh, kind of the way they approach that they're kind of different ways of thinking and different ways of approaching things. I, I always want to be adaptable and not be, be thinking about things the same way all the other basketball coaches are thinking about things, doing things differently. 
Um, and, and so I learn a lot from, from other, other coaches and other sports. I, I really, I really think that that's a, a beneficial way. And there's a lot of things that will apply to basketball that we'll talk about on my team that, that is from the, the concept or the philosophy is from another sport. What advice do you have for coaches? Um, anyone out there at any level, if you can give us some of your, your fundamentals and advice, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, for, for coaches, my, my biggest piece of advice, and again, like you alluded to earlier and said was, um, you know, my path has been different. There, there probably aren't a lot of, a lot of coaches out there that have been at, been at one, one place, but, but I have found a place that, that is great, great place to work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to have a good, healthy work, family life, um, you know, so, so one of the things for coaches, one of my pieces of advice would make, just be great wherever you are. The, a lot of coaches, I, I know a lot of young coaches, I was this way, you're kind of looking for, you get asked all the time, like, what, what, how do you become a head coach? And it's like, there is not one path. There is not one way to do it. However, the common denominator is, is being great where you are. Um, people are going to see that. People are going to notice that. That may open non-coaching doors. You, you just never know. However, if you're not, if you're always looking for the next thing, the next place, the next, the next opportunity, you're you're not going to be content. You're not going to be happy with where you are, and ultimately, that's not going to make you as uh, as great as you can be in your current role. So. Um, I think I think that that advice is important uh, for for people uh, who are wanting to advance in in the coaching in their coaching career because that that's going to be noticed um, by people within your organization from people with from the outside of your organization those those things are going to be noticed um, and then my other piece of advice is you know I think we're all having to work on this right now during this this uh, quarantine coronavirus time is is you know being being thankful for for what you have um being thankful for the opportunity that you get to coach i think a lot of coaches um will will focus on on maybe what they don't have on you know for college coaches the scholarshiping they don't have the the staffing they don't have the the cuts there that are happening um you know i when i took over i mean within the first couple weeks I, I had cuts made to positions on the staff, to our scholarshiping, to our budget, like all those happened immediately. And I could have, I could have gone in the dumps and, and groped and, and whined about it. Or I could have said, well, Hey, that this is the, this is what's been dealt to me. And, and I've got to, got to make the most of it. And, and uh, you know, and I, and I feel like I did this last year, even though the job got harder than it had been previously. Um, you got to be able to make the most out of the situation you're in. Um, and ultimately that's going to lead to the, the highest level of success and, and get you to where you want to be. Well, coach, uh, we, we really appreciate you joining us this morning and we will be rooting the Cougars of Azusa Pacific. Uh, the best of luck next year when you guys get back on the court. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me and, uh, and best of luck to you as well. Well, that does it for the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can email me at nicksonado at ymail.com. See you next time.